Good morning. Man, it's good to be back. I've missed you guys the last few weeks. And uh, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know we've been in a series on the subject of humility. And what makes this, this series a little different from the ones that we've been in previous is we're synced up with Kids World, especially with 252 Theater. So if you have a kid who's in an elementary school age uh, environment back there, you guys can actually talk about the message today on your way home in the car, and I hope you do, because they're having the same story back there that we're having out here. And uh, this will give you an opportunity to, to really not only find out how cool Kids World is and, and how well our kids are being taught, but to give you a chance to have common ground uh, with your son or daughter. Let me start off by saying this. Um, I very much need God to help me in my life. Is there anybody else out here like that? I, I mean, I really need God to help me. Every once in a while, I run into somebody who'll say, uh, Mark, I try to pray, but I don't know what to pray for. I've never had that problem. Some of my prayers sound like this, help, <laughs> you know, and, and I really need God to help me. It would be so sad for me to be in some situation in my life where I would go to God for help and God would say, Mark, I'd love to help you, but I can't. I've had friends from time to time say that, you know, it, it'd have a situation come up and, and it'd say, well, I, I just can't, can't help with that. It would really be too bad for me to be in some sort of um, predicament in life where I really needed help and talk to God and, and God say, I'm sorry, I can't help that. There are two kinds of people God can't help. You want to know who they are? First of all, God can't help the ultra-religious person. Some of us have come from religious environments that, that even though the, the theology or whatever may have been orthodox, the message was very clear. The message was that if you get your life all tied up neatly in a bow and get everything together, then God will take you. He will accept you. Anybody come from that kind of environment? That was the message. You know, I'm all messed up, but if I could just like turn over a new leaf and stop doing all the bad stuff and start doing all the right stuff and yeah, just kind of like get my life all together and learn the answers to the questions that they're asking me and you know, work in the environments they ask me to work in and give the money they ask me to give. And if I do all that, then yeah, I can walk in before God and say, God, here I am. I've covered all the bases, checked all the boxes. I'm a person you can now deal with. Did you know God cannot help that person at all? Did you know those are the very people who put Jesus on the cross? I mean, I know he died willingly, but if you look at the human element, it wasn't the pagans that put Jesus on the cross. These are religious people. In fact, the most religious people of Jesus' day. You know why they didn't like him? Because he got right to the heart of that, that you're never able to get good enough for God to accept. How weird that is, because, you know, as I've gone through my life for these almost 52 years, I've asked people about whether they have a relationship with God and if they know they're going to heaven, and they almost always will tell me, well, I think I'm a pretty good person. Do you realize God cannot help that person as much as God wants to? How, how is God going to help a person who's, like, doing it themselves? Well, we don't really have that issue too much at New Spring because we're not a very religious environment. But there's another person that God can't help, too. And this is the person who says, God, here I am. You can take it or leave it. This is who I am. And I want you to, to look at me and accept me just like I am. And, and here's the irony to that, and that is that God will accept you as you are. That is true. In fact, that's the only way God can accept you. We have to come warts, bruises, bumps, cuts, and everything just as we are. Because God accepts us that way, and it's the only way he will accept us. But some people misconstrue that message, and they think that, well, God is a God of love, and so therefore, I can come to God just like I am, and I can say, hey, God, there's nothing wrong with me. 
Now, how many of us suspicion that even though God does accept us as we are, he doesn't leave us as he found us? I had to have a little minor surgery on Monday this week. I'd been putting it off for a long time. And the surgeon was just an, he's an awesome guy. And he's premier surgeon and a new springer. And, and I, when, when I went into the, to his office, everybody there received me so kindly. They welcomed me. But suppose when I walked into there, I said, hey, I'm fine. I don't have any problems. I don't, this guy's such a great f- friend and such a gracious guy. He, he probably wouldn't say this out loud, but he would probably be thinking, then what are you doing in my office? And some people have that kind of thing with God. I, you know, I get letters from viewers, and I get letters from people that sometimes from my travels. And, 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 and sometimes these letters say something like this. Mark, this is who I am, and this is what's going on in my life. I want God to accept me just like this and take me on my terms. God loves you very much. But if you come to God with the idea that you don't have anything wrong and everything is cool in your life, then God is going to say, then what are you doing in my office? I can't help you. How does God work? And who does he help? And what is it that we have to have when we come to God so that God can help us? I'll tell you now, don't leave. I will have given you the whole message with this one statement. So as soon as I say this, don't get up and run out of here because we got more to say. But here's the person God helps. God helps the person who will come in and say, God, even though your advice for me doesn't make any sense, I accept it. You know what that is? That is called faith. Now, for some of us, faith is an odd term. Faith is a synonym for a denomination. Which faith are you? I don't know what that means. Or others of us, we, we've like turned on the television. There was some sort of freaky evangelist talking about faith and blew our minds with crazy stuff that if you believe God and sent him money, he would get you a Mercedes Benz. And you're saying, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Do you know what faith is? Faith is taking God at his word when his advice doesn't make any sense. And throughout the ages, God has called his people to do that. That is the one thing we can give God. Are you going to give God money? The streets in heaven are paved with gold. I mean, how are you going to, I mean, what are you going to do to give God something? I mean, I mean yeah, I mean, we bring our tithe as an act of obedience, and, and God says, if you'll bring the, the tenth, I'll bless the other nine tenths way off the chart. That's, that's just an act of obedience. That is an act of faith. But God gives us all these instructions that don't seem to make any sense so that we can do that. We can give God the one thing that he wants more than anything else, which is our trust. God is looking. Listen, I didn't plan to say this this morning, but it just, I feel in this third service, I just feel compelled to say this. God is looking throughout the world for people who will believe him and act when he gives strange sounding instructions. In fact, there's a verse in the Bible that says that God's eyes go back and forth throughout the world looking for people who will trust him. Is that you? Is it me? Could we be one of those men or women in, in history who would say, God, it doesn't make any sense, but hey, it's God, so I'm just going to trust him. If you have your Bibles today, or if you want to reach out and get one, if you're on the, bottom, if you're on the ground floor, you can pull one of these out of, out of the hymnal racks. You can grab a Bible, or these, these verses will be up on the IMAG screens too. I want you to look in a book back in the Old Testament, back to the left, a book called Second Kings, and find chapter 5, and I want to talk to you today about one of my favorite stories. In fact, when I knew we were going to have four weeks on this topic, I wanted this particular one for me to preach because I love this story. 
It's a story of a guy named Naaman. And if you look at 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, if you look at the first part of that verse, you'll find out several things about Naaman. Number one, he is a military man. Beyond that, he is a general. He is the top general in the most powerful nation in the world. Our Bibles say that it was Aram, modern-day Syria is what it would be. But in those days, this particular king who ruled this land was the most powerful king in the world, and he had a general that he absolutely adored, and the man's name was Naaman. The reason why Naaman was adored, he was an extremely successful general. He would go to foreign countries. He would go to foreign nations. He would overcome them, and he would bring back stuff into the land of Syria. And the king, the Bible says, admired him. And he was a rock star. He traveled in a motorcade. He wore the best clothes. He had all the bling. He was the man. Naaman was, in his generation, the premier rock star. I mean, even the king himself just was a great fan of Naaman, fan of Naaman's. Beyond that, the Bible tells us, if you look a little further in verse 1, the Bible says that God was helping him. That's a little bit freaky when you think about it because, number one, Naaman was not from a country in a covenant relationship with God. He was not a God follower. He was not a person who knew the word of God. And yet, verse 1 makes it very clear that God had been helping Naaman to win victories. I could be talking to somebody here today or maybe watching on television. And you're not a God follower. You're not even sure there is a God. Maybe you really believe there's not a God. Do you know that God is still helping you? In fact, there's a verse in the Bible that's actually lifted from a secular poet. And this poet said, in him, in God, we live and move and have our being. You could be an atheist here today or an agnostic. And I know we have a number of agnostics who who come to New Spring. And and I'm so glad you're here. you're, You're who gets me up in the morning. I get really excited about the opportunity to have a seat at your table and talk to you. But I want to tell you today... God is still at work in your life. You may not believe him, you may not love him, you may not know him, but God is in your life. A lot of you new springers have accepted Jesus recently, and you're able now to kind of stand on this mountain peak of your life being a changed person, and you can look back 10, 20 years ago, and you can say, hey, I didn't know it, but God was there. He was helping me. You know, that that had to be God back there. I mean, I could have died back there, but God was there. And I didn't know what I was doing, but that was God helping me through college, and that was God opening that door. And that's who Naaman is. He's a general. He's a rock star. People love him. He rides in a motorcade. He wears a Rolex. He has all the fine clothes. I mean, he is is Mr. It. Down toward the end of the verse is the word, but... Naaman is a beautiful guy, but on the inside, listen to me, he's got something that's killing him. The Bible says, but he was a leper. Isn't life odd sometimes, the ironies that life can put? I mean, here's somebody who's a beautiful person. On the outside, this person may be a professional person, well-educated, but he's into child pornography. Here's a person that's like, man, got it all together, can make money hand over fist, but can't be faithful to his wife. Here's a person that's got a mind like, that's like a steel trap. And I mean, he, this, this woman can solve any kind of problem that comes up in the office, but she can't tell the truth. 
In the Bible, when the Bible talks about leprosy, it talks about it often because it's a disease that was pretty prominent throughout Scripture. There's a strange thing about leprosy. God always compares it to sin, and it's not because there's some sort of physical linkage between sin and leprosy. It's there's, there's sort, of, sort of a spiritual linkage. The way that leprosy acts in the body is the way that sin acts in the soul and spirit. I'll give you an example. Leprosy would always come up small. It, it, no, no doubt Naaman was at the office one day, or maybe he was out, you know, on a military exposition, and a sore came up on him, and he thought it'll go away, but it didn't go away. And then, as we study leprosy, one of the things that we find is it attacks the digits, it attacks the fingers and the toes first. And there was a numbing effect to leprosy. A person who had leprosy would lose feeling in their fingers, and sometimes lose fingers in their toes, and that's like sin, isn't it? Have you ever discovered that sin has a numbing effect? I mean... How, how many of us are into things today that we didn't plan to get into, we never wanted to get into, and we can't believe where we are today, but it's like we took one little step in that direction, and, and, and then before long, we just couldn't feel it anymore. The first time we did it, it, it sort of like poked us a little bit, pricked us a little bit, but after a while, it's like, I can't, can't feel that anymore. You know, when you first started flirting in the office, and Harmless, didn't mean anything, not going to go anywhere, just kind of like, hey, man, that's great, a great outfit you have on. Just a little fun talk, and then the next thing you know, you're, you're buying a, a little gift for her, leaving it, or it still doesn't mean anything, and then it's a little further and further, and then after a while, the sensation, the feeling that something is wrong is gone. And then a leper, because that leper would lose feeling in the fingers and toes, that leper would accidentally damage himself. He would, hit him, he would hit his fingers and cut his fingers and make it worse and make the leprosy worse. And that's what sin does because whenever we really get into sin and get away from God, we do damage to ourselves and we don't even realize it. And then eventually leprosy would kill. That is why when the Bible talks about leprosy, it often talks about sin. And when it talks about sin, it often compares it to leprosy. And I'm sure that Naaman did everything he could do. I mean, he was, he was the golden boy. He was the beautiful guy. He, he was in, like I said, he was in People magazine. And no doubt, he spent all kinds of money. And the king spent all kinds of money trying to get his boy cured. And he tried this treatment and that treatment. But at the end of the day, even though he had everything going on on the outside, he had something on the inside that was killing him. Are any of us like that today? Everybody who knows you thinks you're okay. Everybody who, you know, people like you and you can, you know, you can put on them. You can put on the mask. No doubt Naaman, you know, he put on the finest clothes and the greatest jewelry. But down underneath, he knew something was wrong. He knew that something was killing him. And here's what's interesting. The people who knew him knew something was wrong with him. Oh, when the motorcade, people were bowing. People were clapping for him. They were holding up signs. But in his house, people knew that something was wrong with him. I'm talking to some of you here today. When you drive to the office, everybody thinks it's fine, but your wife and your kids or your husband, your parents know something's eating you up on the inside. The truth of the matter is, the condition I just described today fits every one of us because here's what the Bible says regarding sin. There is a percentage of us who are sinners. You know what it is? 100. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Guys, let me tell you something. Just being gut level honest with you today, do you know where I would spend eternity if it were not for Jesus Christ. 
I tell you right now, heart to heart, that even though I grew up in a Christian family, and even though I've heard the gospel from before the meter of my memory started running, if it were not for the fact that the Son of God hung on a cross and died for me, I would spend eternity in hell. And I'm telling you that about me. Because I am a sinner. I may have it going on on the outside, but without Jesus, there's something killing me on the inside. In between verse 1 and verse 3, Naaman makes a foray, military foray into the land of Israel. And he takes away captives. And among the captives that he takes away is a little girl. And this little girl winds up working in Naaman's house as a slave. She becomes the, the servant girl of Naaman's wife. And she hears in hushed tones as it's whispered throughout the house that her master Naaman has leprosy. Now let me just tell you, I mean, being heart to heart here, if I'm that little girl and I'm in her environment and I've been ripped away from my family and carried to a place in a culture that I don't find familiar and comfortable and I didn't have any choice in the matter and I get, you know, I sort of hear it through the grapevine that my master has leprosy, you know what I may be thinking? Good. <laughs> yeah. He's got, that's what he's got coming to him. Let's read. Because I want to tell you, this little girl is a new springer. I just got to show you that. This is, she's just like you guys. You know, people always ask me, how does new spring grow like it's growing? Hey, we're probably pretty clunky when it comes to outreach. But you guys are like this little girl. Watch this. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. You know how this little girl was like you guys? She said to her boss, this lady she worked for, I know a place where God is doing awesome things. And if I could find some way, if we could just find some way to get Naaman to this place where God is doing awesome things, he could be changed. And people all over the country ask me about New Spring and what's happening and how it's growing like it's growing. And it's because so many of you guys go out into this area and you say to your friends, I know a place that's not about religion. I know a place that's not about checking boxes. I know a place where you can come just like you are, where God is doing awesome things. And if I could just get you to this place where God is doing awesome things, then God could help you with that thing that's killing you on the inside. I do see something that's happened with this little girl. She must have had some kind of credibility, right? She's a little girl. She's a slave. She's outside her culture. But there must have been some way, something about the way this little girl conducted herself that this woman, Naaman's wife, paid attention. And Naaman paid attention. It was on the voice of what this little girl said that Naaman actually walked into the king and say, said, Sir, we may have a plan here. I understand from a servant girl in my house that there is a prophet over in Israel, and if I can just get over there to where he is, maybe, maybe I can get rid of this thing that's killing me. Well, the king was not a God follower. He didn't know what to do, but if there was any hope, any possibility that his primary general could be cured, the king wanted to do everything he could, so the king got a little money together. I checked it out with the price of gold and price of silver when it closed on Friday, and here's what I understand. There was a little bit more than $2 million in silver and a little less than $2.5 million in gold, roughly $4.5 million. 
besides some clothes. <laughs> and the king of Syria said, hey, uh, Naaman, you and your boys, you just take all this money. If there's anybody there who can help you, you just give them all this money, and then you can come back. And, and so that's what happened. Naaman and his motorcade men, they took off for Israel, and they, and they don't know where else to go. They just go see the king, and the king is freaked out. He's thinking, what am I going to do? But the prophet, who is Elisha, hears that Naaman is in the country, and he says, send him to me. Now, here's where we pick up the story. Because Naaman, you know, you can, can, can you sort of see this in your mind? I'm just really hoping God keeps all this on video. Because here's this prophet. He lives in a little house in Samaria. And, and out comes this huge motorcade of, of important people, you know, suburbans with flashing lights and all this stuff. You know I'm speaking anachronistically, but that, that's kind of what's going on. And so, you know, Naaman gets out there. He puts on his robe. And he walks down the lane, and he's expecting at any moment, because Naaman is such an important person, that the prophet will come out and do his deal. Let's pick it up in the text. I want to read this to you. This is in verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and walked away or stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Guys, when you and I deal with God, there are two expressions that will mess us up. They are, I thought, and I expected. I mean, Naaman is just totally torqued by this because he is a powerful man. Arguably, he's the second most powerful man in the world. In fact, his boss looks up to him, so maybe he's the most important man in the world. And so he struts out there with his robes and stuff, and here's what he said, and oh, that we could get this, oh, that our generation could get this. Because after all, Elisha represents God here. Naaman said, I thought he would come out here and meet me. That is what's messing up so many people in our culture today. I thought God would meet me on my own terms. I thought God would be cool with me just the way I am. Where does God get off thinking that he rules in my life? I thought he would come out here and meet me. And then, you know, here's the thing about God. God, God loves you. Listen, God loves you so much more than you and I could ever imagine. But if you're in a relationship with him, he will insist on being God. And the thing that just totally freaks me out, and I've been a follower of Jesus since I was eight, and I still struggle to get this, he will never work the way you expect him to work. How many God followers here who follow God for a while and God just blows your mind with the way he works? I mean, it's like, oh, I know what God's will is. I can see now how he's going to work. And then God will use all these convoluted back roads to get us to where he wants us to go. I mean, think about how God's instructions about money and sex and marriage and, you know, so, so many of the things that God tells us just seem kind of crazy. At least they certainly seem crazy in the world that we live in. 
And Naaman was mad. I mean, he's just stalking away. I mean, I'm leaving here. I, I don't, I don't want to stay here. I, I, I thought he would come out here and meet me. And then I expected him to do things altogether different. And the, the Naaman was saying, I expected, I mean, the way Naaman looked at it, this was some sort of freaky holy man that had some sort of esoteric kind of, you know, juice. And, and, and he said, I, I just thought he was going to come out here and kind of like do his hocus pocus and work his mojo on me and I can go back to where I was and forget about this whole sorry episode. Sensitive area. I could be talking to somebody today and you're kind of like that. You, you, you're here today because you've heard New Spring is a different kind of church and it's very different. And maybe you're going through something in your life and you know, you've kind of looked inside your robe and you see that there's something inside that's killing you and you don't plan to stay. You've just come by for a little while thinking maybe we got some sort of weird mojo that if you can just sort of sink into it for a little while and tap into it, then you can get fixed and you can just go back home and forget about all this and go back to the way you used to live. Guys, God loves you more than you can dream. But he's not a filling station. He's not a convenience store. What God wants out of you, God wants you to be in a relationship with him. God wants you to know him. That's why he gives you these weird things to do and weird things to believe. I mean, think about this. The the most important thing in the world is what the Bible calls the good news. And what is the good news? Here it is, real simple. And, And I'm going to be first in line to tell you this sounds weird. I mean, the Bible says every single one of us, all six billion of us in the world are sinners. We're born with an infected nature. And without help, we're going to have to find some way to pay for all this. I can't even pay for one day's worth of sins in my life. And we were without hope because we've chosen to rebel against God. But God loved us in spite of ourselves. And God fixed a situation where there could be one person who would come into our world And live the perfect life that we could not live. And after living that perfect life, would be willing to lie on a cross and be nailed there and then hang for six hours so that the blood that came out of his body actually became a payment for the sin that we've all committed. And if all we would do is just believe, if all we would do is just ask. I mean, you know, the the prophet said to Naaman, just go down to the muddy Jordan and wash seven times. That's all you have to do. I mean, God is not asking us even to wash in a muddy river. He's not asking us to go down to the Arkansas and dip in the water down there. All God is saying is just believe. Romans 10 verse 13, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But you know what Naaman said? I got a better idea. Look at the end of the verse I read a moment ago. Naaman said, why should I go dip in the Arkansas? There's two rivers over where I live that are clean and pristine. Why should I go dip in that water? I, I, I've got a better idea. How many of us have said, I, I got a better idea? I, I, this thing about Jesus dying for my sins and coming up out of the grave, I don't know. I can't, I can't get into that. Maybe what I need to do is do some community service and turn over a new leaf and try a new game and join a new church and learn some new answers to some new questions. And maybe if I just like, you know, I'm going to go over to, you know, I'm going to learn this from this guru or this teacher or whatever. And, and who knows? I mean, maybe it's this religion and maybe it's that religion. I was watching the other day. A guy was on, his own Larry King or somebody, and Larry King asked him what he believed. He said, well, I kind of like reincarnation. I mean, is that what it comes down to, what we like? <laughs> but many people hear about Jesus dying for our sins and they go, ooh, I don't like that. That's kind of weird. I, 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 I don't know if I want that. And God won't make you accept Jesus. 
God gives everybody a free choice. And beyond that, this is a free country. You could walk up to the cross of Jesus and walk away. Because Naaman was doing it. The Bible says Naaman stalked away. He was angry. And the last word of that verse says he was in a rage. But what was the problem with his walking away? He was leaving like he came. You and I can walk to the cross of Jesus and say, I don't like this. I like religion better. I got a better idea. I, I like intellectualism better. I like, I like social change better. But if you walk away, you'll walk away like you came. How many of you are glad for good friends? You know what a good friend is? A good friend will tell you what you don't maybe want to hear, but what you need to hear. We all kind of like having friends that just tell us what we want to hear. And sometimes we say those people are there for us. But you know who's really there for you? The person who will tell you the truth even when you don't want to hear it. And so Naaman had some friends there. And let's look at what they said to him. This is in verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he, and I've got this word circled, says simply... Go wash and be cured. Guys, let me tell you something. God's instructions are always simple. Every once in a while we have somebody say, when are you guys going to get to the deep stuff, you know? It's usually some impacted Christian who's in the wrong church. Let me tell you, the deep stuff with God is not here, it's here. The deep stuff is obeying God when it seems crazy. You can't intellectualize God. And that's what Naaman's service. So they said, sir, if the man had asked you to go climb some mountain, if he'd just asked you to work in a leper colony for 40 years, if he'd asked you to do something different, you'd have done that. But all he's asking you is go down and dip in the river seven times. Shouldn't you just do what God simply said? I was working on this message this week, and I was sitting on my deck, and I had my Bible open, and I was praying, and I said, Lord, thank you for not making me an intellectual. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm a simple guy, because I get to stand before you and say, this is what God simply says about life and marriage and home and family and business and honesty and honesty. This, when you just simply take God at his word, things happen. Now I'm running out of time. I got to tell you, I just really hope God kept us on video. Because can you see this in your mind? Here goes the entourage down to the Jordan River. And Naaman is surely thinking, what in the world am I doing here? And he takes off his Armani robe and lays it aside, takes off his Rolex, and, uh, you know, takes off his bling. And, and you know, he's kind of watching. And he walks down into the muddy river of muddy waters of the Jordan. And he goes down once, and he comes up, and he's still got leprosy. And he goes down twice, and he comes up, and he still has leprosy. And the third time, and he still has it. I mean, if I'm naming, I'm thinking, I'm not sure this is really working. That guy was really crazy. These are really crazy instructions. But he just stays there, and he goes down the seventh time. And when he comes up, his skin is like a baby's. He doesn't know what to do. A lot of you, you guys, you know, many of you at New Spring, you knew, you knew in your relationship with Jesus, and you can remember this moment when you prayed in a service to invite Christ into your life, or maybe you went home after a service, and you prayed at home, and you asked Jesus Christ into your life. You know what's ha- what happens at that moment. <laughs> it's just awesome. And sometimes you don't know what to do. 
And Naaman didn't know. I mean, all he knew to do was to go back up, take his motorcade back up to Elisha's house and take out all those millions of dollars in gold and silver and give it to the man of God. And when he came down on the sidewalk to Elisha's house and he said, here, sir, I want you to take all this gold and silver. Elisha said, I don't want any of that. You can't buy yourself into a relationship with God. Elisha said, I don't want you to have money. It's not, money's not what this is about. Guys, I got to read this last verse to you and I'll be through. Verse 17. Then Naaman said, all right. But please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place. And I'll take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again burn offerings or sacrifices to any God except the Lord. Naaman said, if you won't take my money, then I won't take some of your dirt. You got what happened earlier? Naaman was coming down the lane. He expected the man of God to come out, you know, do some kind of hocus-pocus mojo. Naaman wants to forget about it and go back home and get right back to the way he, he was living. But here's the deal. This is so cool. I wish I knew how to preach. This is so cool. What happens when you encounter religion is that just come out, somebody, you know, priest, preacher, somebody, come out, work some mojo on me. I'll come back, I'll go back to life and just forget about this. That's what religion does. But, man, when you encounter God... That's so different. Because Naaman was saying, I don't ever want to be the same again. I'm going back home a different man, and I don't want to go back to what I used to be. I want to take some dirt from this place so that I can go back home and I can worship the God who healed me from what was killing me on the inside. That's why we're crazy when we worship here at New Spring. Man, it's not just religion. We have encountered the true God. Every week, you know, many people receive Christ here at New Spring. And, and I learn so much from, I learn more from you sometimes than I think you learn from me. But I'll tell you one thing I hear over and over again from people who pray to receive Christ at New Spring is people tell me, Mark, I don't ever want to go back to what I used to be. Pray for me, Mark. I don't ever want to go back. Why is that? That's because, that's, I mean, that's why we call ourselves New Spring Church. Jesus said, anybody who drinks this water, speaking of everlasting life that comes from God, Jesus said, I'm going to put inside of them a new spring of water that rises up into everlasting life. And when you taste that water, when you taste that kind of relationship with God, man, you won't ever want to go back. Have you? ever experienced knowing God. I'm not asking you, have you ever joined a church? I'm not asking you, have you been through catechism? I'm not asking you if you give money. I'm asking you, have you ever had a relationship with God? Where you came by faith to God, not saying I'm going to get my life together and then you'll accept me, and not saying, here I am, take me or leave me as I am. But you come just like you are and you say, Lord, I'm coming to you and I'm going to listen to you. If you've never done that, I want to pray a prayer with you. Now, would you just pray with me for a moment and just bow your heads and, and all of us praying. But if you're here today and, and it's like, wow, man, Mark, today you just really talked to me. I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. These aren't magic words. What matters is what you mean in your heart. But I'm going to say these words real slowly. I'm going to go through these phrases real slowly so that you can think about them. And here's what the Bible says. Remember, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you're a part of whoever. You ready? Here we go. Jesus. 
I know I've sinned. I've done wrong. I realize I can't save myself. I believe you died for me. I believe your blood paid for my sins. I receive you now as my Savior and my King. Forgive me. Save me. Make me God's child. I trust you. In Jesus' name.